Welcome to the Giving Voice to Depression podcast, produced in partnership with Mental Health America of Wisconsin. We are your co-hosts, Bridget and Terry. Each week through intimate, candid conversations with guests, we explore different perspectives on and experiences of depression. We keep it real because the illness is real. We keep it hopeful because there truly is hope in spite of what depression tells you. We are not experts or therapists. We're sisters and best friends who live with depression and have interviewed hundreds of others who do as well. By sharing stories of lived experiences, we expose depression for the lying bully it is. Hi, Terry. Hello, Bridget. So you have undoubtedly heard the saying, desperate times call for desperate measures. Well, a global pandemic with life-altering restrictions on our movements certainly qualifies. Yes, it does. And we've called this episode COVID cohabitating. We could have called it two people with depression who only met twice, moved in together for their mental health during the pandemic. (laughs) But that seemed a bit long. <laughs> Our guest today is Glenn. He lives in Illinois. And back in March, when he learned his governor was going to institute the stay-at-home order, he knew right away that was going to be a problem for him. His solution was not only unconventional, but fascinating. To use his words, it's a social experiment of our times. Here is Glenn giving his voice to depression. Having previously experienced episodes of depression, I knew sitting alone in my house for an indeterminate amount of time was not the best option for me. And staying with family was probably even a worse option for me (laughs) for a variety of reasons, mostly because they're my family. And so I was looking for an alternative, a healthy alternative. Uh, Willing to be specific about what you were afraid of being at home with your thoughts? Oh, idle hands, too much free time, negative self-talk, just the black cloud that comes. And without any variety stays. So, and I'm a social person. I'm a extrovert. So it's tough when there's no one to, you know, to interact with. And then in the strange times call for creative measures category, a unique opportunity to interact presented itself to Glenn. Uh, a woman that I had been corresponding with and had seen a couple times had uh, a place in a free state at that time. She she used this phrase that I still don't understand, but she's way more intelligent than I am. We'll be alone together. And uh, she made the suggestion that I come and hang out with her for the duration. And I thought, it's just nutty enough that that would work. Glenn said she had also been wondering if it was smart or safe to be alone during a pandemic. I had not even thought about it, even conceptually, because it's way out there, right? Hey, I've met you twice. Can I come live with you during a pandemic? 
It'll be fun. And yet, when it was presented to me, it made absolute sense. <laughs> it was like, damn, wish I would have thought of that. I thought it was brilliant. Brilliant in theory. But Glenn says to make it work in practice required a lot of upfront planning. I operate best with, you know, guardrails. So wanted to get that defined as to what what it was and what it wasn't. And so she had suggested that there be a document, a written document, along the lines of a roommate agreement and was generous enough to allow me to write the first draft. <laughs> so how many drafts were there? Just one. Maybe five. <laughs> so One good one, four revisions. The revisions addressed a wide range of short-term considerations. When they started, the shelter-in-place was supposed to be for 14 days. So the first clarification thing was on the financial aspect of it. There was not going to be some kind of rental agreement, which I think was wise. And you don't want to just cross that roommate-landlord thing. And then behavioral stuff. What's your day look like? Well, this is my day, and I do this kind of work. And sometimes her work requires noise consideration. And and sometimes mine does too because I'm on the phone. So there's that type of negotiation that went on. Why did you take it seriously? Or how did you? Legitimately? You seriously want to know? I do, of course. Because I needed it. My other options were bad. So you took what I'll call the roommate agreement seriously and presented, I said it was a long first draft, to increase the odds that it would happen and be successful. Part of it was that. A big part of that was that. The other part of it was, oh, hold my beer, watch this, right? Because it's kind of an outrageous offer. You know, from where I'm sitting, it's like, hey, we had we had a lovely cup of coffee and a chat and uh, spent a nice afternoon together. Uh, why don't you come live with me during a pandemic? So it sounded odd even to you? Not, no, it didn't sound odd because, as I stated previously, it was brilliant, and I really just wanted it to work because it, if it were a business deal, it was a good offer. It was like, oh, I can do this. Here's what I bring to the table. Here's what she brings to the table. It was like, oh, that solves two problems, hers and mine, if it's not a horrible mistake, Right? So how do you make sure it's not a horrible mistake? And then you go back to the communication aspect of it. And given time and the ability to write my thoughts out, I can be really articulate. So I took my time. I wrote it out, got it all out, everything, even, you know, sensitive topics of discussion. Are you still doing it? I am still doing it. Okay, how many days in? You know, that's a great question. 20? 
Have you ever lived with somebody for 20 days that you weren't in a... Have I, have I lived with an opposite sex in a 20-day scenario without a romantic relationship? No. That's what I was trying to ask, but I didn't know how to ask it. Oh, okay. Well, did I answer that? So how does that work? Was that part of the agreement? That is part of the agreement. The agreement is um, it's her place, and there's lines and boundaries that should not be crossed. So if she wants to initiate something, she's more than welcome to. I, however, will not. <laughs> is that in writing? That is in writing. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. And, and I'm going to ask about bedrooms just because we're there. So okay. I'm going to go there. Uh-huh. The... <laughs> The operating agreement states uh, she's on a different floor, and I will never go on that floor. Is there a point in mentioning the fact that you're not talking about living in different wings of some mansion or that you're not in the coach house of her? No. I will call it, it is a modest house. On the first floor, it is impossible not to see the other person. During waking hours, it's an in-your-face situation. Okay. So has it been what you had hoped for in terms of a, a softer way to handle this? It's um, been... I mean, I mean mental health-wise. Or, it's or has the been, best. It's the best way. Really? There's not so many stresses because you're... There's no stress. Living with a near stranger in her house. Even living with a near stranger in her house... No kidding. There's like zero. And I think it's because everything has been discussed up front. And she was very clear. I am not promising you a relationship. I'm not promising you anything. And I'm good with that. And that alleviates a lot of the BS. (laughs) You know, I described it as foxhole buddies. You know, you look out for me, I'll look out for you as best we can within the defined parameters. Is the understanding that if one of you gets sick, the other will care for that person? Yeah, and yeah. That- I think that's part of it. <laughs> and and part of it is also, um, well, since you don't know who she is, uh, she's had mental health issues in the past as well. So there's a commonality there where we both have dealt with depression. So we know what that's like. And so I think each of us is, are a little more finely tuned to, to checking. Checking in on each other regularly on both their physical and mental health status. So Okay. So is this a good idea? Is this just one of those like things that happens to be working for you? Or do you think there's some merit to the idea in general? Right now, you have this extraordinary set of circumstances, and it's not, it's just, to me, it's just fascinating. For me, what I value in this whole thing is I have a trusted resource. I mean, it's going to sound overly dramatic, but I'm just going to say it. This person has agreed to look out for me if I get sick. That's a pretty big deal. And I've agreed to watch out for them if they get sick. That's a pretty big deal. 
So it's not something that was entered into lightly or foolishly or naively. Other elements that factor into Glenn's foxhole buddy arrangement working include shared values and good senses of humor. We're decent, civil human beings who happen to be incredibly good-looking, articulate, intelligent, witty, oh my God, and, and it's fun. It's fun. I try so hard to be quiet over here. It's fun. I can't There's imagine a lot people using that word. Fun. Nobody is using the word fun to describe what is going on right now. In this. It, well, they, they might not be using the word fun, but they should try to have some. You know? What, what's that saying? You know, when you're going through hell, keep going. I would like to ask just one question if you can briefly address why she's not being interviewed? Oh, the reason she's not being interviewed is um, she's a celebrity. (laughs) And you would recognize her voice. A movie star? Well, I'm not going to give any hints. Would we all recognize her on a magazine cover if we saw her? In certain regions of the country, yes. Are you not going to give me a real reason why she doesn't want to talk? It's very difficult for her to talk about this because of what she does for a living. Oh, you're serious? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were kidding. No, no. I totally thought you were kidding. I'm sorry. No, no. (laughs) She's... Too many people would know it's her. And then, because what she does professionally, they would all think, Maybe something's not quite right. Because who invites somebody to live with them after they've met them twice? So is the bottom line, um, if you're going to do something this, what, what word should I use? Uh, unconventional. Unconventional. If, if someone's going to do something this unconventional, and hopefully we will not have a pandemic again to, to test this, but um, is the advice choose someone you don't know very well so there's so much to learn and you won't get bored or is it choose somebody nice or is it trust yourself is it trust the other person i would say the key if you're going to pick right the two key things that i would put at the top of the list and everything else can be negotiated one is an agreement in writing that both parties agree to Because without boundaries and without proper setting of expectations, you're going to have problems. And I mean detail. And the other thing is, Mm -hmm. pick somebody you can have a conversation with and resolve conflicts with in a measured, productive way. Probably good criteria for choosing any partner, certainly a pandemic partner. And for Glenn... The whole thing seems to be working. I think at the end of the day, the challenges I face, minimal challenges I face in this situation, way, way less than challenges I would face spending 20 days alone. I would be, people would be worried. I would be worried. 
Wow, it's such a brave and cutting edge uh, solution. It is interesting. I actually read an article in Marie Claire about another couple, same thing, two dates, and they moved in together. And I've heard of other people here. So it's, uh, you know, I think a lot of people realize they're not good at being alone and or, or they're not good at being alone and ill. So um, I don't know. It, I, it was just fascinating to me. I was really grateful to be able to, to uh, delve into that story. Hmm. Well, we have a little follow-up, and this is after five weeks of Glenn and his foxhole buddy living together. And they declared the social experiment a tremendous success, and they closed down the camp. Since the shelter-in-place end date kept moving and might move again, they decided to choose one themselves. And ending it while it was still going very well seemed like a smart move. I did talk to his pandemic partner, and she has the same word that Glenn did, fascinating, to describe the experience. Adding, she has no doubt that being together and laughing every night had tremendous value, both socially and from a mental health perspective. Very interesting. These are strange times, and that is a strange solution. But it worked for them, and and I think that's lovely. Very brave and very trusting, and it it does make me think, you know, I don't know about you, but I never even did that with my husband. (laughs) I love the idea of having a contract. Oh, right, and and, and yes, and what is it, a conflict resolution sort of uh, expectation, and yeah, it is an interesting thing. So anyway, we got to take care of ourselves in whatever way works for us that is healthy and, uh, you know, obviously good for other people too. So, um, you know, that's sort of the challenge, right? You know, you can think outside the box, you can be non-traditional, but get through this in a way that, you know, isn't damaging to yourself. Right. That's honoring all that's coming up or not coming up, you know, just honoring what is. Honoring what is. Indeed. Thank you, Glenn and uh, and his foxhole buddy. All right. Be well. Bye, Bridge. You too. We truly hope that our podcast brings a little more understanding, helps you better articulate your experience of depression, or better understand how to support someone else's. We invite you to join us for daily posts on the Giving Voice to Depression Facebook page and on Twitter and Instagram at Voice Depression. It is a comfort to be among fellow travelers on depression's dark road. And remember, if you're struggling, speak up. If someone else is, listen up.